Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Grove, and welcome to another episode of the Rip Run Reds podcast. I'm joined as ever in a very vintage looking Arsenal jacket. Jace, how are you on this fine Friday evening? Oh, I'm lovely, mate. It's a lovely few days off, relaxed, wearing my retro. I love this jacket. It's, it's for anyone who's listening rather than watching, it's a, I want to say a 91 Adidas. 1991, yeah, I think. Yeah. Did you say uh, recently they um they uh they announced uh there was a little image that teased another collab that has the old Adidas logo that you've got on your sh- your top right now. So the one with like the what would you call that? What is that? What this crest? No, no, the other side, the Adidas one, like the three problems. Oh, this is Adidas original logo. Yeah, so it's, it's another Adidas original collab um that'll be coming soon. Have you seen uh the I've Ian Wright this. collab as well? I okay. I, I'm. Oh, I, I mean, I'm going to share. I'll, I'll share it afterwards. I'll share later. the link as well because it looks uh, tasty. Tasty. Yeah. I, you know, I've got more money to burn, of course, on Adidas. <laughs> obviously. Well, we, yeah. Yeah. Well, we all know if Arsenal <laughs> fail as a football team, we can just fall back to being a fashion brand anyway. Yeah. How are you? You good? Good week. Yeah, man. Yeah. A uh, busy, busy week. Uh, was away with work Monday to Wednesday. Got back super late. Thank you for the lift home from our, our friend Spence. Uh, who uh, I was unable to watch the Arsenal game with you in the ground, um, but obviously did catch uh, most of it on my mobile device. Um, and then, yeah, back to work. I'm looking forward to some uh, well-earned rest at the weekend. Good, good. Yeah, for anyone who needs good. to know, we picked up Grev straggling at a tube station on the way out of the ground as he just got off a flight from Barcelona. Been sunning yeah. himself. Yeah, I wouldn't. Have, I was. I was inside ninety percent of the time, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I did. Got, I got a photo of the beach. Uh, that's as far as I got. It all counts, mate. It all counts. Yeah, it all counts. Right, let's get that intro music on. Uh, we'll get in uh, to the show as Arsenal squeezed Sevilla two 0 <laughs> This is, this is my club. Fucking love this Right, oh, start the show like we always start every single show. It's the Ripple Review. We're going to head straight over uh, to Jace. Searing hot as ever, I'd imagine. What have you got for us this week? I had a, I've got an, a, an observation. I think you've had, I've had this thing about all year about the Champions League. All year I've been saying that we're going to, my, my bet was we'd win the Champions League over the Premier League. I feel like I've seen the evidence last, oh, not last night, the night before last, on why um, the performance against Sevilla, we completely outclassed them. Um, and I'll go on to talk a bit more later about that performance. But for me, we, we we are much better against European opposition, especially like Spanish teams, I've noticed. Um, we we just, we, ex- we exploit the space a lot more. Um, we, we, we do not get the same kind of luxury afforded to us in the Premier League, especially with Saka and Martinelli have just doubled up on all the time and for me like i just 
watching, observing, comparing to the Premier League, I feel like if we were played in La Liga, we'd romp away with La Liga. It'd be so easy for us. And the Champions League is proving to be a little similar. Um, you know, and I think that's also why the Premier League is maybe harder to win, or is harder to win, and actually should maybe be respected more as the premium competition to win over the Champions League. Because I, I genuinely think that the calibre of squads and teams and tactics in the Premier League is just a level above the Champions League. That's my observation from just watching sort of a game like against Sevilla. We, the scoreline for me uh, didn't necessarily reflect how well we played. We we absolutely, I mean, we destroyed them. Um, and it, it just kind of made me analyse, like I was like, are we a Premier League team or are we better as a European team? And I'm like, I, I genuinely think that if we were in Europe uh, playing another league, we, we'd be top of the league by far. Um, Do you think yeah. there's an element potentially of, uh, with obviously like like us uh, in the Premier League and Sevilla in uh, La Liga, that they maybe underestimate or underplan and prepare for a match like us? They 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 have more time and are more well equipped, I suppose, to deal with the teams that they play in their home country because they play them more often. I suppose their networks and stuff will check out their players much more often than they check out ours. Do you think there's an element of that of maybe underestimating under? Under preparing for a game against a side like us, or do you just think that we are just infinitely better? I think we're just infinitely better. Um, I, I wouldn't say Sevilla are a team that under prepares. Like they've been, you know, they, they've had big results against British opposition before. They've won multiple European Cups consistently. Notably, I remember, you know, Europe, European, uh, the Europa League, um, sorry, was Klopp's first, like, final with Liverpool, I think it was, and they lost to Sevilla under Emery. Like, they're so used to playing British opposition, and they seem to get the better of British opposition a lot of the time. The difference is maybe that the state of that, that squad in Sevilla, they seem to be, they seem to, like, change their squad quite heavily every year. Um, they... They get cheap talent in, they develop it, they sell it. Um, and, you know, that talent usually gets them to knock out the Champions League and into the Europa League and they get close to the final, if not get to the final. And so they kind of then replenish the squad each year. And maybe this year, I think, it's been a bit of a bad experience. I think they'd already changed coach. Um, Did they put their whole so, club up for sale in the summer? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think they might have some financial issues in Spain as well. But... So I don't think that it was underprepared. I just think that the you know the level of squad that we have is infinitely better. I think the level of the Premier League is infinitely better. And I, I think losing to Lons away in the Champions League was the anomaly. Anom- no, I can't say it. You know what I'm trying to say. I'm not, anomaly. That's, that's the one. Um, I, I genuinely think that was, at, that was a mixture of atmosphere, crowd, number of different things that that night set us. Uh, we, we lost 2-1, right? And... Um, Apart from that, like we've we won away in a very intimidating atmosphere in Seville. We beat Seville at home. We smashed PSV Eindhoven. So, you know, we should be finishing top of that group now. That should be almost done and dusted. And it was pretty. It was a hard. It looked quite hard on paper. The only other harder group for me was Newcastle's group, which is quite funny. We'll come on to talk about that maybe at the end. Um, yeah, well, uh, that that's just the. Just my observation. I think we are. I think we've got a really good chance to win the Champions League. I'm very excited about it. 
We've got a lot of injuries at the moment. We'll talk about that later. If our squad comes fit again, especially into the you know the knockout stages next next year, then uh, I'm hopeful and keeping my fingers crossed because I think that's the that's the more realistic opportunity, I believe. So, talk to me about Saka because I know you've got a bit of a bit of a bit of gripe with what we're yeah. doing. Well, I mean, I don't know if it is actually. I was thinking about it as I wrote it. So, so my my issue is is like, well, my question is, should, can we just please rest Saka? And there's a couple of different things why. Obviously, I say that. Obviously, in in uh, probably three games out of the last eight or so, he has either come off slightly earlier with a niggle or limping or something quite wrong. Obviously, he did miss a, a couple of games because of it. Um, and there's a lot of talk about him being overplayed. And obviously, uh, you know, Arteta has come out quite publicly and said, you know, these players should be expecting to play three times a week with no issue. Um, and Saka is one of them. And we always seem to be uh, substituting other players ahead of him. Martinelli particularly. I know that obviously he's probably just come back from an injury. We don't really say the same about, like, so let's say Erling Haaland, who pretty much plays every single game for Man City. Um, there are loads of players in the Premier League, right, that play all the games and, and they are the stars of the team that, that cannot or should not be rested or, or dropped. But I think we're entering a phase of games now that I feel like we're okay to let him have a rest. We're going to be playing Burnley at home, Lons at home. We've got Brentford away, which may be slightly more challenging. Wolves, I think, at home. They're not, none of those games particularly worry me. And, and none of them particularly worry me that if Reese Nelson was playing at right wing instead of Saka. But it, it just won't happen. We all know that he's just going to be. I saw a really good uh, TikTok earlier that basically had uh, the one where the, the kids are terrible singers, and then at the end, the good singer comes out and it says like the name of the person. And it was who's going to replace Saka? And the last person that sung was Saka, um, <laughs> because we all know that he's just going to start again anyway. But, you know, during this game in particular, he was manhandled, he was shoved, he was kicked, he was fouled, he was double up. Um, he was really bullied all over the pitch and, and he does get that a lot and it gets no protection from the referees whatsoever. Same against Newcastle, no protection again. Um, and he probably just needs a bit of time off. And uh, I'd, I'd, I would have hoped, right, let's rest him against Burnley and then say he's injured so he can miss international duty. We know it's not yeah. going to happen, um, <laughs> but I'd, I'd love it to happen just because guy just needs some time off. Get him, get him rested, get him well ready for the Christmas running because that, you know, that's when the games come thick and fast. And what you don't want to be doing is carrying a small niggle that can turn into something much larger. I think that's what's happened with Erdegaard. I think he was carrying something small that has manifested itself into something significantly larger that now we're yeah. paying the price for. Although it maybe have come at a good time because of his lack of form. But yeah, Saka, I need to rest him, please. Yeah, no, I I agree, but it's not going to happen. Um, not just yeah. because we have no one to replace him. But, you know, we'll come on and talk to you about the injury list later on in the podcast. But you know, there's no one. We've got a problem at the moment, I think. And um, he's going to need to play Burnley, but at the same time, he's also in Southgate squad, so he's going. So he ain't getting that rest time. Unfortunately, Greg. Why, why does he need to play against Burnley? Why would he need to play against Burnley? Um, because there is a, a problem. I know that. I know the drop off is bigger. Attack, I, know, I know the drop off well, no, is bigger. We, 
we don't have ample replacements. Have you did you see the bench? Yeah, and they are. We're going to talk about that later. So let's not, let's not spoil the surprise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, our on. next segment uh, is is normal service has resumed. So uh, I think this was a title that you coined, uh, Jace, uh, in the talk about the overall kind of game and the overall kind of performance that we lent into this. And it's much more akin to what we expect from Arsenal, maybe of last season. Tell me, how do you feel that this game uh, really kind of set ourselves back up into where you think we should be? For me, the, the thing that I loved most about this performance was the control of the game. Um, total control. Never in, at all did I feel on edge, feel like that we were going to be even counter-attacked, which happens to us sometimes. We'll control large parts of the game and then let it slip. Um, Sevilla were poor, though, uh, if I'm honest. They had nothing, no attacking threat whatsoever. You know, Eric Lamella... Uh, Absent, happy to say. Uh, no, is it Rabona? Is it Rabona? The finish he did. The is it what yeah. it is? The, yeah, the commentator yeah. no, has made a big, big deal of it. Yeah, no Rabona's, no Rabona's on Wednesday night. Um, they had nothing, but we, you know, just because they were poor doesn't mm, take away from how good we were. Um, so we had control of the game. We had complete control of the possession. Um, we had, you know, I think they had one attempt to our 11. Um, we had so much, so much build-up play. Like, ridiculous amounts of build-up play. And lovely build-up play as well. Lots of beautiful, controlled, passing football. You know, I think actually, you know, credit, and we'll talk about habits a little bit, he, 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 he contributed to that. That was really nice to see. Martinelli, I've got a whole section to talk about Martinelli because he he was on fire. Um and and two really beautiful goals as well. Um the pass from Jorginho through to see Saka was an thread of a needle, great finish by Trossard. Um and then and then the second half as well, Martinelli's ball through to Saka, and it was a great turn and, and goal for Saka, and it was nice to see him scoring um in the Champions League. He's seeming to thrive in that competition. So he's making his name on the European stage now. I think he was already known, but it's nice to see him kind of uh, coming to fruition. The only gripe that I have on the whole performance was we didn't score more goals. We had, I know you missed the first half because you were on a flight, but in the ground in the first half, the amount of build-up play was just the volume was so much build-up play. But we we did not have, we just couldn't get the final balls together. There were so many runs by Martinelli for the byline and the cutback, but there's so many, you know, we were missing a Jesus. Actually, do you know who we were really missing? Olivier Giroud. Like, I can't explain how, you know, when someone will cut it in from the left wing, we will run to the byline, do the pass cutback, and Livier would run run across the front of a defender and use the outside of his right boot just to flick it in into the near post. Mm-hmm. If you, it's a very common finish. He used to do it a lot. There were so many balls like that, and I was saying to our friend Spencer, who I was sat with, was like, "We, we Olivier Giroud, like he was just missing him, or a striker like that, because I've built there was so much build up play." 
And there were so many opportunities. And and um, that was like the biggest piece missing for me was that it was 2-0 because it should have been 4 or 5, in my opinion. Should have been... I, I, like The scoreline doesn't reflect how much we dominated that game. And that was the only kind of concern for me. If that had been an, a different game, and I, we keep talking about this quite a lot at the moment, if that had been a different game, you know, say a Premier League game, I think that that reliance on being clinical is becoming a little bit too much of a risk. We need more volume of goals. Like Sheffield United was great, but it, they weren't Sheffield United. They're just, you can't consider them in the equation. They, they're, they're awful. Um, we need, we need a, uh, we, we need a, a more, we don't, we can't yeah, are you going to say we need a striker? These, well, yeah, we do. We do, we do need a striker. And, I, 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 you know, we don't even have one at the moment. I mean, I think we tried to put Havertz up front at one point toward in the end of the second uh, half. But, uh, yeah, we, we are missing a, a clinic, like, not even. We need, we need, I, I, uh, we need. It doesn't need to be clinical, Jay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, we need a finisher. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the, the really funny, I saw the XG for uh, Sevilla during this game is 0.02. Um, oh, from their from their one shots, it's so close to being literally nothing, um, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, like looking at from the the stats, we have, we dominated fifty two attacks to their ten, but I, I think they only had one actual attempt according to the stats. One attempt and ten attacks. Um, you know, the possession. I think we were sixty to forty. I I'm quite surprised actually. It was that. I think that second half maybe they got more because in the first half it must have been lower. Um, like, you, like you say though, like you, you, really it was a, a relatively mature performance, and we've been saying that a lot recently with our games, um, controlling the pace of the game, allowing the other team to have the ball where we want them with very little penetration. We saw it against Newcastle. We saw it against these. We would let teams kind of have have their time with the ball because we knew, and I think this is partly. I know your complaints about a striker and finishing and goals is a problem. Uh, we overperformed last year uh, on that front um, by on, on all three counts, actually, particularly Sakura Martinelli and Erdegaard, actually. Um, this year, there was a table I saw recently that kind of showcased the, the XG of goals conceded and, and, and goals scored. And both mm. us and Man City are, are, are much further down the other end of the spectrum. Um like actually on the low end of those kind of things encapsulated together because we are so we're so defensively well drilled we don't really concede a lot and yes we don't score a lot but ultimately if you're not it's not like Liverpool remember the Liverpool when they won the league it was all very much like it doesn't matter if you score against us because we're going to score more than you that was Liverpool's mentality they used to just go into games and win 4-3 or 3-2 they used to just I'll score more than you and Arteta's influence this year in particular just seems to be like we just need one. And the problem is, I think that we, you, you said it a few times, that we always kind of let in one, but we never really let in any more. Yeah. Or, or at least even if we don't let in one, like Raya, when Raya's between the sticks, we've certainly been conceding less. Um, so yeah, a relatively controlled game, like I say, nice. But I, I, I do have to say, that, you know, in the games where we've talked how good we are, our competitors have been relatively poor. We have yet wow. to come away from a game where we've done really well and controlled the game and beat a team that went toe-to-toe with us. See? If you get where I'm coming from. I mean, City, but even City, like, 
And I see about the same about Man United. We we didn't win those games by margins. No, okay. Yeah. They were they were extremely close. Um and we were probably fortunate in both cases. A little bit of luck on your side, which is always good to have. And I think I said this to you on the car on the way back. I'd love to just see us put in a a, a gallant performance and beat a team when they were when they were at their best as well. I, I have a feeling that game is going to come against Liverpool. I was about to say, at Anfield. At Anfield. Wow. Is that, is that, we're, we're playing them in December, that's... right? I think that's correct. Yeah, and that's the fortress that we can't seem to break, actually. And Arteta can't break, actually. So what What better time, Jace, than to whop it out? <laughs> well, it's interesting as well. Like I'll, I was, I'll talk about this now rather than the car park. It's quite timely. Um, we're scrapping points in the moment with big injury list. So imagine what it's going to be like when all our players are back fit. I mean, I, I, like. yeah, yeah. I mean, I've said to you before that uh, as well, this season in particular, and I think a few clubs are like this, we, we're not at a second or third gear yet. And it's a, it is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Last year, we sprinted out of the traps. Uh, and by Christmas, we were, at, we were at an all-time high point tally. This year is nothing like last season. And yes, yeah, some people are complaining about the atmosphere maybe being contributed by the fact that our expectations are higher um the last season and our performances aren't matching as much but like you say at the end of the season you win this league no one's going to be talking to you about ah do you miss that game against crystal palace from last season because we were so good in it no one's going to give two fucks when we win this league if if that's the way it goes like and that's you know that's kind of why i hold on to a little bit one question as we're on it do we have to win a trophy this year do we have to In, in terms of what i don't of course we don't have to um, I we will, we won't be getting rid of Arteta. Well, yeah, so that's my well, yeah. We're not going to get rid of Arteta, but do you, is there now an expectation? Oh, of course there is. I think there'll be a lot a of people calling. Yeah, yeah, of course there is because you just look at the growth and the evolution of of what it is, and and thinking that we're now and maybe if it doesn't happen, this is it's got to happen next. Um, there has to be some evolution of this. We can't stagnate, and I do think that's why it really does. It'd be interesting to see what we do in January within the market, if anything. Been a lot of discourse recently about the striker might not be the answer. You know, if Thomas Party is now out for eight weeks, by all accounts, can we? We're gonna. We'll probably get onto it, but Jorginho, yeah, maybe not the answer. So let's see. But I, I do. I think we we have to because okay. I, 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 you know, the amount of the amount of media and discourse that we get for Arsenal right now and it is for anybody that thinks I'm some kind of mental conspiracy theorist you just have to like I think I said this to you Sky Sports tweeted Ben White's own goal in the Carabao Cup against West Ham a week after the game on a Wednesday morning when West Ham weren't playing no idea why they would do that got no idea Premier League are tweeting Anthony Gordon's goal amidst all of the controversy that that goal had already kind of gone through it it feels like everyone just is out to stick it to us and Jamie Carragher even after the Arsenal game was going how much of a oh, Arsenal was embarrassing putting the club statement out you know they've gone too hard he watched then the Man United I think Rashford gets sent off and now he's like oh Vars a disgrace we need to get rid of it I'm like what are you talking about two days ago he said the same he said the exact opposite 
I, honestly, I'm, I'm so I I I, don't, I do think they'll be calling for our heads either way you look at it. But yeah, there are a few conspiracy theories there we probably shouldn't go into. But yes, I, oh, you're, I you're kicking me off, Jason. Starting me on, man. You've got me riled up now. <laughs> oh, entertaining the listener. Um, uh, <laughs> go on, let's return move on to uh, yeah, return of the Nelly, our next uh, uh, segment. So. We've already talked about Saka announcing himself on the, the European stage, but what better way than uh, Martinelli to do exactly just that and really showcase our wingers in front of a European audience. What do you what do you love most about Martinelli's performance against Sevilla, Jace? It was uh, his best performance of the season by far, like by far. He didn't score. He didn't need to score. He was the giver in this game. He was... Uh, roasting uh the the right back sanchez and then, and then they started doubling up and he was he was roasting too he was really winding them up he had them on toast it was beautiful um i mean i i lost my voice in the ground because uh, within the first half every time tommy got the ball and give it a gabby give it a gabby because you could just like just give it to him He's gonna he like he doesn't he literally just one on one he had them every single time, and it was just that classic Gabriel Martinelli we love one on one against the wing back, get to the byline, get as close to the goal as you can, then cut back, and um, he did it every time. He was superb, um, and it was that's what I mean about missing the strike. It was so frustrating because he did his job, he did his job beautifully. But it, you know, there was just no one really that could that, that could capitalize on the great work that he was doing, and that was a little frustrating. There was one point as well where he he had the ball. He's grown in strength as well, like muscular strength, and being able to hold the ball up and shield shield the player, and then keep the low center of gravity at the same time because. There were points in the game where he had the ball and he was just doing like keeping low and then just twisting and turning and literally going around in circles. He like spun one, he got a bit aggy, moved on to the next one, spun him, and then kept passing and got the ball back. Was doing he was he was doing stepovers. It was like it was like watching a I said to Spencer all the time, it was like watching a young Cristiano Ronaldo. That's what it that was what it was like for me in the first half, because when they were coming to we were sat in the clock end. When he's coming towards us, like he really reminded me, and you know, he he's always said that Cristiano Ronaldo was his his icon. It really reminded me of a young Cristiano Ronaldo, where he would just toy with them. Um, it was just such a good performance from him. Uh, he ran the show, in my opinion. Um, and then I think you know he didn't score, but he topped it off with a beautiful assist through for Saka, who then obviously got got to the box twisted turned um and cut in and put it in the bottom corner past the keeper so just really a, a perfect performance like you know i think his best performance of the season by far and i'm incredibly happy for him and now i just my only question really is can he keep it up can he be consistent is he going to be able to do that in the premier league consistently now moving forwards um only because I think it's harder in the Premier League. There's more competitive right backs. They get doubled up, doubled up on more. There's less space. Um, Sevilla gave him so much space, but yeah, it's going to be harder in the Premier League. But I hope he can keep it up. You, you compare him to um, Ronaldo or a young Ronaldo. I suppose one thing that Ronaldo was was uh, fantastic at is obviously output. 
um, an incredible amount of goals and in such an illustrious career. Do, do you think there's a risk here that, that you know, Martinez doesn't have enough goals to his game and that his end product is quite lacking? And, and I do think that he he gets the byline a lot. And then he kind of doesn't, not necessarily runs out of ideas, but is is even his final pass is is usually not great. So the I mean I'm not worried about that. The the Cristiano Ronaldo I was probably comparing him to wasn't the Ronaldo that won the Champions League in that season. United and scored forty two goals or whatever it was. And that remember the free kick against Portsmouth and all of that. It wasn't that. It was a younger Ronaldo. I remember the first two two seasons um, when he joined from Sporting Lisbon when Arsenal still had the big rivalry of Man United. We're talking 2004 and the 2005 season. That Ronaldo, who used to just skin players for fun and get to the byline and get it into the box of Van Nistelrooy or Rooney. Um, I suppose that, that's the point. You know, they, they had such that, uh, uh, incredible strikers that he was... You know, yeah. And like you said earlier, we're probably lacking a little bit like that. Someone, someone ahead of him that's uh, significantly better than, say, uh, Trossard or mm. uh, um, Havertz as the false nine, or even Enketia. We'd, we'd probably yeah, yeah. I think I think that's the thing, right? Like when Ronaldo, Ronaldo, just remember, Ronaldo replaced Beckham. Ronaldo came in with a number seven shirt in two thousand four, beginning of the two thousand three two thousand four season after Beckham left from Madrid. Um, he was in on the right. Sometimes he played left. His job was to get to the byline. He was different to Beckham because he didn't have as many crosses that went over the top. Uh, he was more a get to the byline, cut back, step over, trip the defender. But he wasn't a goal scorer straight away. But that's what I was seeing for Martinelli. And it made me very happy to see because that's his... his, his I don't know. How, how old is Gabby now? How old is he? He started very, very young. Very young. Um uh, you know, he's he's coming on strong. I don't have any worries or concerns about him. Yes, he could score more goals, but, you know, um, I'm not going to blame him for the fact that we don't have a prominent 20 goals a season striker. Uh, that's not his problem. That's something mm-hmm. Arteta needs to sort out and the club needs to sort out. But, yeah, beautiful performance. Very happy with him. Is there anything you saw in the second half? I know you didn't get to see as much of the first. Anything that stood out? Uh, well, kind of similar to what I've said a lot of times already this season. Well, two two things. The guy's addicted to running. I mean, it makes me tired just watching him. I hate it. Um, it's making me tired. Uh, he, he just continuously runs at pace, tracking back. That's one of the things I really enjoy about his game is he's not very selfish in the fact that he he just goes forward. Like, if you were comparing to Ronaldo, that's one thing as Ronaldo got into his later part of his career, just stopped doing um, and I, I'd, I'd love to see that. And, and secondly, you know, football as a as a sport, as a spectacle, is meant to be entertaining. That's what it's there for. It's to you know for you to enjoy. And obviously, it has its peaks and its troughs. But every time Martinelli has the ball at his feet, it's exciting and it is good to watch and it is always interesting. And like I say, sometimes the end product might not always be there, and sometimes it doesn't quite come off for him. But it's always exciting it's always I'm always invested in what he's trying to do for this team and I'm never quite 
you know, we're going to get onto this, but there are other players in this team that you watch and it just feels like running through treacle and it feels quite methodical and it feels a bit paint by numbers. You don't mm-hmm. get that with Martinelli. And and this game was another showcase of that. And, you know, the fact that he came back from injury four games ago, maybe something like that, in a game that we didn't expect him to either. And it, it, it's like he um never left kind of thing. You know what I mean? It, it, he just hit the yeah. ground running. He was back to his best. He, there was no kind of dip. Really good to see. So I'm, I'm with you. His best performance of the season. Really good to see him at full strength, particularly when we do have injuries in and around the team that we need players like him to step up. And, and he certainly has. Yeah, nice. Um, I suppose I, I segued a little bit, but I'm going to... Well, we're going to talk about midfield up and downs because there's two players that we've singled out here as one on the upper echelon and one on maybe the, well, middling. Middle in echelon depends on your yeah. camp. Um, uh, who are you going to pick, Jace? Go on, you can pick. I'll give you Sophie's choice. Well, I think first of all, I came up with this header mid for ups and downs, and for me, it was about not just maybe the performances, but more just the general inconsistency of the midfield performance from game to game. Um, because this was a pretty up performance, but we've had a lot of downs, I feel, in the last few games as well. Um, so I, I, I'm gonna I'll start with habits. I'm going to pick habits. Um, I rewatched it a few times because I was sat behind this uh, and uh, slightly above the goal, sat right in the mid center, right behind. And so I had the perfect view of habits header. And I had to go and rewatch for the podcast, just rewatch the highlights again, rewatch that header a couple of times. I am so disappointed with that. Like just that one chance. That doesn't that doesn't ruin his whole performance because I think he played okay. Um, I'll talk a bit more about it in a sec. But, but I was I'm just really pissed off by the header. It was he had all the time in the world. You watch it if you've seen the replay of it. All the time in the world, no one was around him. No one was marking him, and he could have headed it back across the goal. He could have attacked the header himself. He could have done anything. He didn't even try and attack it. He let it come to him. It kind of just like hit him in the face like a wet fish and just went down to the side. The goal was like, he basically headed it to the right and the goal was kind of like in front of the right-hand side. of It It was just further away. He just did nothing. And and it was, I'm venting my frustration here. You can hear it because we were also in the ground and we were like, that was what I mean by like again taking our chances, right? That was a perfect chance. We won it up within like two minutes, and there was this like enthusiasm in the ground, and then you literally heard this collective doll, like when when he missed it, like it was really like it was not good, and and everyone around me was talking about him, and I was like, the, he, he's usually the, such a good, not for us, but he's got a lot of great headed goals for the Chelsea yeah I feel bad for him in a way as well because it, it, it makes it, I, I just because just because you want him to do well yeah that, that's what yeah. it is you want you you don't want us to be nobody wants to be that club that has spent 65 million on a dud no one wants it you know look at Man United and Anthony no one wants it I'm sure they hate it so we don't we just you know and you really want it to come off in this game and there were but yeah I think you mentioned is that that had a there was a volley or a half volley that he, he took too much time on and the defender kind of ran across him, blocked the shot. There was one where he he could have probably come in at the back post in the second half and he just kind of stopped running. There was a lack of commitment 
and a lack of ambition to try and get the ball. That's what I'm saying. When I talked about players running through treacle and, and maybe not, not committing, although there's a lot of talk, I, you, you tell me, you think you, you look at this and you think this was a better performance, right? And it's, it's, it's on, tra- on a trajectory to getting the best, the best version of it, uh, Havertz, but we're, we're certainly not there yet. But the problem was it was a very easy game. He played in the Odegaard role. Some some beautiful passes, kind of control the game. Um, some good challenges, good tackles. A couple of bad passes as well. But like, I I wouldn't say he played badly. He played. He did what he needed. He did his job in the game. But is he going to do his job against Liverpool away at Anfield in that position? I don't think so. He's going to do it at home against Seville in the champion in the Champions League in a group game. Yeah, sure. But it's it's the it's the big performances and turning up that just is where I worry, because yeah he had a, he, apart from that I you know I think he as I said I, he showed that progression, he was very unlucky not to score as a screamer from outside the box well not kind of not, not about twenty yards out just outside the box, um, that went just past the post and at the time they didn't show the replay on the ground, um, and we were like oh that must have been well wide then. Because it's we it, with the other side, so we saw it kind of go across the front of the face. Oh, they were so embarrassed to show it. <laughs> yeah, we thought that was the case, but when I looked, watched the replay, I was like, actually, that was really, really close, and he was very unlucky. Uh, and he he does need one of those to go in, right? Because I know he got we gave him the penalty against Bournemouth, but he actually needs to score a goal, a couple of goals in in actual play, and I think get his confidence levels up. Um, yeah, Jorginho. Um, I made some notes about him, but did what, what did you think of his performance from what you saw? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, like you said, the ups and downs, and certainly right in his case, there's been games where he's been missing from, and this game was a better game. Um, I do think that he, he he works really hard this game, but one thing he's not particularly great at is tracking and, and running. He's obviously at that age where he's re- he's assured and he knows exactly how to use the ball but maybe his his body can't quite keep up with the footballing brain that he has in order for the performance he wants to do and this feels like a good game for him to be able to exhibit the type and style of play that he is used to like i said the game the run of games we've got coming up is perfect georgino te- uh, territory for me um, and it was a great performance i'm not denying it I do think that he's had a really good run of six games now. One of them, you know, was maybe a little bit lacking, but he's been, he's been a good understudy in a time where we haven't had players to kind of step in and kind of do the job that we need to do. So he can he can do it. He's obviously very good in Europe as well. We've seen that for Chelsea. Um, maybe, like you say, this is a stage where he can feel more well-equipped and more well-versed in how he approaches uh, the games. There was one really interesting thing out of this game that obviously I think Zinchenko moved up into a midfield position in the second half, but he might yeah. have played as right the right hand side. He was the number eight, which was um you know we we've talked in pods before of the potential that he has that his defensive duties are uh, not there <laughs> effectively. Although actually, I think he didn't do a bad job at left back when he came on in the second half. There was a couple of, like you say, maybe Sevilla just aren't very good. Um, but their their right winger did not have the beating of Shinchenko on a couple of occasions, which is either it's a, I probably say it's a testament to how bad their right winger is, rather than how good Shinchenko is, considering what we've seen in the past. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
Jorginho has a good performance. We've got options, and it's good that he's coming coming good at a time when we need him to come good with the injuries to, to party. It is interesting to see the lack of faith in Nel Nenny that Arteta has, whether or not he's just easing him back from injury because it has been Same out. Up. Yeah, but only, what, what, eight, 91 again, 92 minutes? I can't remember. It was late. Yeah, it was, it was, it was very Like, late. I'll give you three minutes. You, you can handle three minutes, right? <laughs> like, yeah, pretty... Yeah, pretty bad. But like you know, Jorginho was good for sure. Yeah, I 100 agree. He can dominate on the European stage, but I yeah, he's, he can't do that in the Premier League. And um, a lot of energy from him, uh, but it, it it slows down about sixty to seventy minutes. And then... well, we, we've seen him do that that kind of Cruyff style or cut inside turn in the centre of the pitch and we've seen him be pickpocketed quite a few times in the Premier League for sure and he got away yeah. with some of that here because of the opposition but we, we cannot afford mm-hmm. and you know I don't mind against a, a Burnley or a Bournemouth or a Wolves or someone but I, I certainly don't want to I'd rather not see him as the double pivot against a, a, a City, a Man United, a Liverpool Yeah, we're probably going to have to but we'll see we'll see yeah. Well, actually, that, go on. I was just going to say one thing. Do you see the assist, though? Well, the, 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 the assist was, yeah. The I mean, the assist, assist was great. Right. Fred of a needle, mate. Yeah, I mean, he can he can pick a pass, and he has he has great vision. Um, I'd like to say I think that Sevilla kind of played into our hands a little bit there because they, they overcommitted, and it just we exploited so much space on the counter. And Jorginho, you know, they, they, we've seen. Maybe if he was in that position against Liverpool last year, the league could have been a different story. Um, but, you know, it, it, there was options there and he picked the right one. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I was saying we were leading on to the injuries because we were talking a little bit about some of our gaps. And I think you, you put this, that we're, 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 we're certainly a bit rife at the moment with injuries across. And, and there's certainly some here that are habitual, which is really frustrating you know, we talked on previous pods about having to, we cannot rely on Thomas Party anymore. Um, and, and I think that either he goes in January or he plays a very small part in the latter half of the season and then he's gone. We can't rely on Emil Smith-Rowe. He'd finally come back and has started to show flashes of what we could expect from him. You know, maybe not to the lofty heights of that time when Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe was booming around the ground, but, you know, he showed some promise of maybe filling in that Erdegaard slot when Erdegaard wasn't necessarily hitting form. Um, Eddie Nketiah picked up a knock and he's been out a couple of games. I don't think he has trained this week. Uh, No, he did train today, I think. He won't be, he might get the bench for Burnley, but I don't expect to see him, to be honest. Yeah, and he was also left out of um, uh, Southgate's squad pick as well. Um, any particular injuries that are kind of worrying you, Jace? Jesus is picking up a few too many for my liking. Um, considering our absence of strikers, I think there's two injuries now this season. He's missed quite a few games. Obviously, the injury against Brazil, for Brazil impacted last season as well. So, and he was the you know he's our most expensive striker, so we we do need goals from him. Um, I've said a few times that it's not necessarily just goals that I rely on for, for Jesus and you, you, you challenge me and say, well, no, no, it is goals. And, well, we're not getting them either way with his injuries. Um, mm-hmm. The one that worries me most, however, though, was Tommy. 
Uh, I've been Googling, trying to find any news on Tommy. I don't know if there's, well, Arteta said in his press conference, he didn't seem to elaborate on it, but they took him off at half time because he had discomfort and they didn't want to take any risks. I'm actually okay with that because he was solid and so good in the first half. And I think what all of the opinion now is that Zinni is a midfielder. He, I, Tommy is now the starting left back until Timber's fit again. 100%. Uh, and I think we even put Kivior at left back at some point in the second half. Mm, um, Move Zinni into midfield. Um, it seems to be that we've got ample replacements to an extent. If Timber's back fit, then we're good in, in the defence, I think, and we're pretty solid. I mean, defence is solid anyway, been been pretty solid most of the season. But, um, yeah, Tommy's the one that worries me most because I think we really need him and he's really coming on strong on the left-hand side. And I think the fact that he's playing left centre-back for Japan and then playing left-sided for us is really helping him. I think you know, he... You know, I think games coming up mean that Zinni is a a, a, a a really well adapt uh, left back and can easily play in that position against the opposition that we got coming up. I don't think there's much to be oh, worried we, about. I agree that we don't want to see it because Tommy can. has been quite like an injury ridden few seasons at Arsenal mm. and he's been quite intermittent. I, I do actually find that's quite a worry across our squad. I wonder if there's you know training muscular injuries, a lot of ACLs, that kind of stuff. I don't know if there's certain aspects of Arteta's regime that is causing flare-ups in our injuries, but we seem to have a lot of reoccurrence of the same injuries. We do. Um, I think the change in medical staff is because the medical staff, uh, the guy... Uh, Driscoll, he went to United, I think. Yeah, I don't know if that's got anything to do with it. I mean, he was very, fairly well documented in the Amazon documentary and he was a pretty key character and i think you he was a good influence so i'm wondering whether we're, we're suffering this year for not having him but yeah i mean if i was looking at the injuries currently we're talking tommy sacco with a question mark odegaard hip eddie ankle jesus hamstring emil knee party out till 2024 with oh, was it hip and thigh, oh, no, thigh. thigh groin and thigh mm. and then timber with his acl it's like i mean that how many of those are starting? Odegaard's starting, Party's starting, Timber's starting, Jesus is starting. They're missing four starting and three solid players from the bench. Yeah. I mean, you've got to thank our lucky stars that some of the depth that we brought into the squad over the summer to ensure that we're currently able to cope, right? Yeah. But as I was saying, just wait till we're back fit. Other teams are going to get injuries. You know, well, Spurs, you look at Spurs now. They've, they've now lost Madison till next year. I think they've also lost another player till next year. I can't remember who it was. Uh, I think VDV. Was for a while, but, uh, no, yeah, Van, Van der Ven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, VDV. Mm. Sorry, I call him VDV because my Spurs mates in the WhatsApp group call him VDV. I, I genuinely didn't know his name. So, <laughs> I mean, he's been, if we were talking about, I know we, we waxed lyrical about Saliba, but if you've watched any, any Spurs, he's been, he's been amazing. He's been really, really good. Pains yeah. me to say. Pains me. Pains me. Right. Let's get that parking lot. Uh, we've already talked about one of the subjects in here, but, um, the, you know, there's some bits that you want to talk about, right, Jace? Go on. Oh, I just find it funny. United and Newcastle are both bottom of their Champions League groups and struggling. Well, not, not doing as well in the league as they, they were last year. Um, I, it's interesting. I saw 
tweet basically saying like who don't don't let average Premier League teams into the Champions League, just put the proper teams in. Referring basically to Liverpool, Liverpool especially being a team that should really be in the Champions League this year and and are not, um, considering that their their league performance and obviously the well were walking the Europa League. Um I just found that quite I don't know, it's quite amusing, right? I think um especially United's group, like Galatasaray and Copenhagen are two teams that they should be beating with the calibre of squad they have. Obviously, they've got injuries too. Bayern Munich's obviously always going to be a difficult one. Newcastle had the group of death. I actually thought they were going to do all right, especially after the PSG result, um, but they've just flumped. Um, and it doesn't even look like they might even make Europa League. So just it's just quite interesting. But on the same same time uh, we need to have our british teams all doing well in the champions league to maintain the uh the the, the number of spaces that the U, the U, the british uh, the british the english premier league gets for european qualification slots i think we're getting five this year because i think the champions league is going up in volume of, of teams next year but no one's mentioned also, that we, actually, we want the teams we want the teams to go further as well right the more games that our competition have the the Better yeah, yeah, us. yeah. I mean, if Liverpool were in the Champions League and City in the Champions League, that's better for us. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I still think that the top four is as it is now is going to be the top four. Spurs might. I'm intrigued to see what happens to Spurs with the injuries now they've lost a game. I'm intrigued to know whether they've had their 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 spell where they've ridden the positivity and it's going to wear off now and it's going to. And maybe like kind of level out. I'm not saying they'll go, you know, really bad, but mm. I'm I'm saying will they be in that position more where they're like touch and go for the Champions League opposed to solid Champions League? Um, it'd be interesting to see if how, how they do. I think we're making a big assumption with us, right? The next six games, I think it's like Burnley, uh, Wolves, Lons, like. Brentford, as you were saying, like, like we should basically be winning our next six games before we go to Anfield. Um, and no excuses. Obviously, the injury list is a problem, but if we win all those games with all these injuries, we're getting the points. We're just slowly, as you said, doing our doing our job until we get to the hard crunch time of the season, learning our lessons from last year. Got no complaints. So just hopefully we just keep you know, scraping as many wins as possible. If we get a couple of draws here and there, great. Try and minimise losses and stay and stay in it till the end of the season. That's the goal. Yeah. Uh, you just got to be in touch and distance, right? That's all we've got to be and we've got to keep in that mix. And the performances yeah. can can be intermittent if they need to be. Of course, I'd prefer if they weren't, but at the same time, i snap your hand off if it means that we're going to still be there in April time and be in the competition it's just exciting to be there and, and certainly I think we deserve it. Um, yeah, I, I was so. going to say that obviously United, I, I can, if you can't enjoy reveling in, in their utter downfall, what can you enjoy? For me, it is pure box office. I absolutely love yeah. it. It is you, great. Would you have sacked Ten Hag by now? If you, if, if you were in United, I was, fan, I was, I was talking to someone, no, 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 so, yeah, I was talking to someone at work about this because I was like, and their rebuttal was that they've just invested a, so much money that you've kind of got to give him the chance. But for me, I think the worst thing about it is I think he's on the verge of losing some of the players. It's just the way he, he's been. 
uh, I, I compare it a little bit actually. So Arteta, when he ostracised Aubameyang, and at the time there were some calls for his head in terms of how dare he, mm. you know, for, for what he's done for this club. Not that Aubameyang was any form of club legend, but he obviously scored quite a lot of goals in in not so many games. Um, he was a captain, but now, yeah, and he was. But you look at that now, and you're kind of thinking. Yeah, it made sense. And I think that, you know, maybe the reasons at the time, lateness and not coming back from his mother's illness, like a day late, they do seem a bit obtuse. But, you know, Arteta had a, a set of non-negotiables that he wasn't uh, willing to waver on. When you look at the way that um, Ten Hag has treated Sancho, just feels odd. And he, he kind of feels like he has been uh, ostracised from the team for for no real reason. And then he's also coming out and saying, like, you know, I, I can't play the way that I played at Ajax, despite signing loads of players from Ajax. Um, you know, you sign these players, you've got to, if you can't get what you think out of them, then something is awry there. And I do have to say that, yeah, it just feels odd to me that he he hasn't lost the dressing room yet, but I think he he's on the verge of it. And um they just don't feel to me like a, a cohesive squad right now. He got rid of Maguire as captain, and now he's having to play Maguire all the time because of the centre backs that are out. But Varane, Varane's back there, so maybe he's like he's laid his bed and he's kind of like, yeah, that's cool. So I'll keep Maguire. But some of the clips I've seen, there was one where he just he just hoofed the ball thirty yards out and like into the crowd from like a no a nothing. Maguire should be nowhere near that Man United squad. Nowhere near. Johnny Evans, he's what? He's thirty-five. This is what I said. You you look at. Uh, you're going to get me started now. But you look at look at the way that we run our club. The, and there was a clip from Gary Neville about two and a half years ago when Arteta. I think we played Brentford and we lost to Brentford on the opening game of the season. I think it was that season. And Gary Neville yeah. came out and was going, "What's Arsenal's strategy? How are they approaching their windows? There's no cohesion. There's no idea to how we we approach that." And everyone looks at each other going. Is he blind? Like it's literally everyone could name Arteta's player. Young, versatile player, can play many positions and is effectively good on the ball. Those three things, every single player we've signed has those attributes. Yeah, Everyone can see it. And when you look at Ten Hag signings, what have they got? Casemiro is 32 or 33. You're not building a midfield around him. Same as Ericsson, not building a midfield around him. Fernandez is your captain. He's absolutely woeful as a captain. The same, same as Aubameyang. Aubameyang was not a captain. And you can see why it was taken from him. And it just feels like he doesn't have the mental fortitude to do the same for me. But I love it. I'm here for it, Jason. I've got the popcorn out and I'm watching it. Anthony. I mean, the, fidget spin, the fidget spinner, honestly. Ooh. I'd be, yeah, I'd just be, I'd be, in, you know, incredibly furious um, if I was a Man United fan. And the, the fact that we get a lot of hate for club statements and embarrassing about VAR and crying tears about it, like, I'd much rather be doing that than what they're doing. I am yeah. I'm fully behind Arteta in what he is doing. And other clubs are waking up to it now that we can't continue to let these northern bunch of mates and friends who go off to Saudi and get paid a big wedge to go man- referee some games there and come back again to, to look while they're managing uh, refereeing games with their brothers, a Man City supporter. It's just frankly embarrassing. And I'm glad that he's standing up to the 
the, the you know the, the tirade of kind of bad decisions and they're not just decisions they're just woeful ineptitude i'd much rather that than what they've got i think um you know i think this you look at an aston villa and they, they seem to be doing the right thing in my eyes someone like them like solid douglas louise is great ollie watkins has signed a long-term deal um yeah, Pal Fernandez, Diaby, yeah. they made some really astute signings. They're going to be Europa League easy, I think, um, if they keep playing the way they're playing. Well, Emery's um, got the pedigree for it, right? Apart from us. Yeah, but I think, <laughs> yeah, he didn't learn. He's much. His English is much better. He's he's he couldn't communicate. He took took a job. He struggled to communicate in, but he he learned his lesson. Yeah, uh, and I'm kind of happy. You know, I'm happy if he was going to learn that lesson with us because. We got Arteta as a result, and and he's gone True. to do good things since. Burnley predictions, Burnley. mate. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, all right. You're going to go I've first. Gone. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> well, I was going to say three-one, but I was just going to say lineup as well, right? A lot of injuries. Anything? I'm going to go three-three-one home win, but I'm going to ask you lineup first before you score score prediction. Uh, so I think yeah, I think it's Raya. If Tommy's not there, be Zinni, Saliba, Gabriel. White, uh, Rice, Jorginho. I think Odegaard's going to be fit. So I think he's coming back. And I think Saka will still play as well. Uh, I, I think I, I think Trossard will play up top. So the Trossard yeah. habits. I, I, I don't know if they I was just reading because obviously I play a bit of fantasy football and they, they, they usually have some really good coverage of the... Um, it's not, if it's not trained, uh, it's not start, surely. Well, I suppose, yeah. If it was Saka, I'd be telling you you're full of shit, Jace, because that means nothing. Um, I do think that Eddie is Eddie will make the bench, I think. Yeah. My, my prediction will probably be... I, I, I don't think... I can't see Burnley scoring. Um, I'm going to say 2-0. Okay, nice. I'll see. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, if you're watching this on your uh, YouTube uh, channel, then please do leave a comment, leave a thumbs up, and leave a subscribe. Jace, if they're listening to it on their podcast provider of choice, what do we want them to do there? Five stars, please, and a lovely review if you'd like to leave one. And uh, we will hopefully speak to you over the weekend once we have beaten Vincent Company and his Burnley side. So we'll speak to you again very, very soon. Cheers, guys. Come on, you!